Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are with us, that your presence is here in full, and we recognize you. We thank you that you choose to hang out with us, even though we were sinners Christ died for us, and you see us worthy and fit to commune with, and we thank you for that, Father. Lord, we pray for Michael and Candy and their family this morning. We just ask you just to continue to give them rest, to give them peace, and to um, just give them a great time. Let this be a time of making great memories with their family and with their kids. And Lord, we pray for all of the organizations, all the secular and Christian organizations that are going into the Bahamas. And uh, Lord, we just ask that your light would shine. Lord, I pray for the people that are there, that um, it's such a desperate situation, but I pray, Lord, that this would be a time where they would turn to you and that they would know you as Savior and Lord. And we thank you that you work uh, with the Christian laborers that are there. We thank you for favor with their government. And we ask you to to be with those who are mourning, be with those who are grieving. And, um, and we pray that they would come to know you as Savior this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so when Michael talked about, let's talk, can you talk about family relationships and it's a relationship tune-up? I'm like, a, a tune-up? Sometimes, I don't know about you, your family, I feel like my family's like, it's not like adjusting a spark plug. It's like, we need to rip this, we need to rip everything out and start over. Family relationships can be really, really tough. And uh, for some of you guys that, that, um, that have been hearing me talk for a little while, my, I lost both of my, both my parents went to be with the Lord within the last year. And, um, and it's interesting when you're going through those kind of situations that um, you can see emotion, you know, people are emotional. You're, we've even this past week, we prayed with some folks that are here today. We prayed with you guys last Wednesday about some of you are taking care of your elderly parents and how stressful it is. One, uh, one woman that was here said that her father had had five surgeries in the last, I think it was like seven or eight months and how stressful it is. And when you get in those kind of situations, emotions and things seem to be so sensitive and it's so easily to, to be offended and, um, and to maybe get your feelings hurt and all that kind of stuff. And I talked to Susan so much about with my family, even though we really handled everything pretty well, but I kept telling myself, you know what? I could be offended with this. I could be bothered with this. And sometimes I really was, but I kept trying to go back to, I need to be Jesus to them. I need to be Jesus to, to my family. I need to really represent them. And you know, part of the thing that's really tough with us with families is, and especially when you're a believer and maybe they're not, is it's so easy for them just to pass some kind of judgments on like, well, I don't think really Rick's acting like a Christian very much right now. It's so easy because, am I right? They have expectations of us, and no matter what pressure comes on us, that expectation still stands. And it makes it really, it can make it really tough for us. So a relationship tune-up with family, if you need a tune-up with your family, praise the Lord. But sometimes we need an overhaul. And so, so anyway, so anyway, I'm getting, having kind of a title to this message today. And if you could go to that next slide there for me, it's Boomerang Bang, Ending Family Pain. I want to walk with you through just a few things of how we can end some pain or start ending some pain with our families. I think the other thing that's really tough with family is that um, I think as, for us as believers, we know that God has an unconditional love with us. Is that right? Yeah. 
right? And so even though sometimes it's hard for us to receive that, but I think aside from that relationship with the Lord, we have an expectation that our family would have an unconditional love for us. Don't you, would you guys agree with that? I mean, some of us have, you know, some people have been through some really tough stuff with family. Maybe your family was just a mess and was tragic. But still, we have expectations that we would have unconditional love with our family members. I've talked to you guys some, about this a little bit before. I talked about it a little bit on Father's Day, but when I was a youth pastor in Colorado, the, our youth, we had about 60 to 80 youth that we worked at a prison for teenagers. And it was teenagers between uh, young people between the ages of 12 and before they, t- st- they turned 18, they would stay at this facility. And it was amazing to me every week because we, we were there four, four times a month. And when we were there, we did Bible studies, did worship in small groups and things like that. And it was always amazing to me that when you would ask a young person that, like we met a girl that the first drug she ever did was heroin and she was 14 and she did heroin with her dad. We see people that their family members had molested them and all kinds of stuff. And then we get down to pray and they would say, just pray that my dad would come visit me because I know he really does love me. They were, they had this expectation and they were wanting to have this unconditional love that was coming from their family. But our families have expectations of us. We know each other really well. How many of you guys know that, that if you got together with your siblings today, that you could call them on the carpet about stuff in their past? right? It'd be so easy to say, well, I remember you did this and, and, and so forth. And so it's so easy for us to pass judgments on them and for them to judge us and how we're walking things out. So let's get into the, the first scripture verse I want to read to you guys today. It's in Proverbs chapter four. I know you guys are familiar with these verses, but it's great for us to hop in here. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows out of it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. This is a great verse for us to be able to read because out of our heart, the Bible tells us of all things to guard our hearts because out of it flows everything that we have in our life. Everything flows out of, out of, out of the things out of our hearts. So we need to constantly guard. The Bible tells us that where our treasure is, is our heart. They're in the same place. So there's so much about our heart. Look at the next verse that I want to hop into today. And this is the core of kind of where we're going today. Do not judge. This is from Matthew 7. Jesus says, do not judge so that you will not be judged since you will be judged in the same judgment that you make and be sure, excuse me, and you will be measured by the same standard you apply. You know what? So much of God's kingdom, eternal and here on earth, everything is based upon the, the law of seeds, Right? You know, the Asian religions have, have taken it over and called it karma. But we know that what we sow, we what? We reap. If you plant corn, you're not going to get pumpkins. You're going to get corn. So the things that we plant in our heart and the things that we plant in our life, we are going to reap those things. Some of them are great and some of them are not. 
But that's why God's telling us to, he, the Lord instructs us to judge our heart, to, to, to guard our heart, and then be careful about how we pass judgments. You know, so many times for many, many years when I read this verse and I would, you know, about judging people, and it's like, you know, if I go to Meshach's house and, you know, and he's sucking down his fifth uh, pitcher of margaritas and he's watching a movie that he shouldn't be watching, that may, the Lord's telling me, well, don't judge him. Well, don't chunch him. And that's not what this means. And actually, next, I'm talking next week. So next week, we're going to actually talk about how the, how, what the Word says about judging believers because we are called to judge believers. But how we judge people is also by the same measure that we're going to be judged. You guys, we're living in a culture that is driven by judgment. How many times, look at the situation if you're familiar with what's happened this week with Drew Brees. Drew Brees comes out in the media. He works with a company called, an organization, Christian organization called Focus on the Family. And he does a 30 second commercial to go online to encourage, he reads a Bible verse, his favorite verse, and he encourages teenagers to bring their Bible to school on Bring Your Bible to School Day. And he's getting crucified in the media because now he's a LGBTQ hater. We're living in a culture where people are constantly passing judgments. And when we constantly pass judgments, that's why this, that's why the message is today. Judgment is like this. Here's my judgment. Boomerang bang. Every time we pass judgments against somebody else, it always comes back. But how does it come back? It comes back with pain. Well, you don't know because my grandma, she always bought my siblings better Christmas presents than me. Boom. Bang. Pain. Am I right? Yeah. So when we pass those judgments on people, and especially with our family, it always brings back pain. But we're living in a culture of, I'm bipolar, I have this, I got abused. We're living in a thing, and if you even, look, even associate with Chick-fil-A, who doesn't hate gay people, you're, you're, people just automatically pass judgments against you. Let's look at this, a little definition here of, of this Greek word with, with judgment. It means to sift, to divide, and to assess. Look at the next verse. I want to read to you. It's out of Luke chapter 7. Once again, Jesus talking. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. When we are living this out with family, it is tough. Because there's times that we don't want to forgive because we have been wronged. I have been wronged in this situation. But when we do that, we throw out, I've been wronged, boom, bang, it always comes back as pain to us. And then with our family, we seem to never really get over it. Have you ever noticed, um, and of course, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert, I'm a storyteller. When I go out and preach and I go out and talk to teenagers, I have... I've told people before, if you wanted to hear about teenagers doing great things around the world, I could literally, I could literally stand here today for probably seven or eight hours and tell you story after story after story. But you know, sometimes when we, when we repeat stories, sometimes, and I tend to do sometimes, sometimes we can embellish a little bit more, right? Because we're retelling it inside. We're thinking, oh, is this getting kind of boring? Okay, I'm going to throw this in or whatever. So, but one of the problems that we have with our pain when we retell our pain with families is sometimes we retell it and it's a little more painful. It's got a little bit more to it. Well, this is, and you know what it is? Sometimes it's us discovering really how painful this is. And then other times we're just passing on a little bit more judgment. 
But Jesus says for us to not condemn, or you will be condemned, forgive and you will be given. This is the law of, of sowing and reaping and how we interact with our family, or with, we're really with people, but especially we're focused on, on families today. And then he says, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. How many of you guys have always, I've, I, I'm telling you, for probably 30 years of walking with Jesus, I always thought this had to do with giving money. How many of you guys would agree with that? When you hear this verse, a lot of times that means grab your wallet, somebody's getting ready to take an offering. But that's not, I mean, we know that when we do give and we do give in faith and we step out and give that God really will bless us and meet us with different things and bless us back. But he's talking here about us not passing judgment and how we walk things out with our family members is how do we want that? How do we, what do we want to do with that boomerang? Do we want to sow mercy or do we want to sow more um, discontent and more judgment? Are we going to continue to do, can you go back a verse uh, slide for me, please? Are we going to continue to sift, to divide and to assess, or are we going to stop doing that and just start to think the best? I had a pastor, you know, my pastor in Colorado used to say all the time, there was some con- if there was ever conflict in the church or especially being a youth pastor, if a parent was upset about something, he would say, you know what, let's just go into this meeting and let's just assume the best. And that's some of the greatest advice that I ever got. Because when you assume the best, it keeps you from throwing this. And it causes us to not be so defensive. So, next, go a couple slides for me. So, sowing seeds and casting judgment. Let's talk about how we can walk through this and how we can really use some some good scriptural basis to help us move beyond that. Let's look at this. Uh, go to the next slide there for me. When we cast, when we cast judgment with family members, uh, when we sift, divide, divide out and assess through our own, we, let me start over. We cast judgments with family members when we, when we sift, divide out and assess through our own human assumptions. And what does that get to us? Next slide. That stuff always comes back as pain. It always comes back to us in pain. Let me tell you, if you're sitting here this morning and your child's not walking with Jesus, don't sit and judge yourself. Pray. Extend mercy. Man, it is hard to extend mercy when somebody has wronged us, but that's what we're really called to do. It's so easy for us as parents to look back and say, what did I do this right? Did I do this wrong? What's happening? Why are they doing this? Why are they reacting this way? But really what that's doing is we're just assessing and dividing and looking. There's nothing wrong with some self-reflection. The Bible even talks to us about that and to meditate on those things, to meditate on the word of God brings wisdom to us. There's a difference in us meditating on the word of God and dwelling on those things instead of dwelling on how much did I mess up? There's a there's a book that's sold millions of copies. Some of you may have heard of it. There's a first book that was out. It's by Steve Otterburn and Fred Stoker. There's a book called um, Every Man's Battle. And it's an incredible, incredible book. I, I, I suggest to every man that I ever meet, no matter where you are in life, to read this book because it helps men deal with 
uh, sexual temptation in your life. And you know, you may be sitting back and going, hey, I'm happily married. My relationship with my wife is so awesome. I don't really deal with that. But I'm telling you, this book is amazing. But one of the things I did, uh, I read that book many years ago, and then it was back in 2002 was the first time I read this book called Every Young Man's Battle. So they've taken the, the, the adult version of this book and taken it down for teenagers. And if you have teenage guys in your family, teenage grandkids in your family, Get them this book and hopefully that they will read it. But one of the things that they, that the author talked about in this book that was, it really, really changed my life. I've never been a person that dealt with a lot of lust in my life, but we're all men. We're human. We, we, and I was back then I was traveling a lot. So you see women that are attractive and it can lead to, to other things. But one of the things that was, it was so changed my life was he talked about bouncing your eyes. And he talked about when you see, see someone that's attractive and you don't want it to go to a place that is sinful, you have to quickly, it's like a ricochet. You notice, well, she's pretty, boom, think of something else. So I was reading this book with a bunch of teenagers. And so I've read this book with probably, I would say, 150 teenage guys. And uh, I just finished reading it. It's so interesting nowadays, I actually did this discipleship group online and discipled some guys through texting and messaging and stuff, but they were reading the book together. They were all in Florida and I was here. But anyway, first time I went through this book, I got everybody and all these young, there was eight guys in this group and I bought all of them a Nerf football. And we talked about this chapter and then I just wrote the word bounce on there. And then I won't do this here because I'm not telling where we'd go, but I was in, in this room with them and I stood on the chair and I threw the Nerf football down as hard as I could. And I said, this is what you do to discipline yourself from not going into a place of sin. You guys following me? So bouncing your eyes is really a something that really takes so much self-discipline. And it took me months, it took me months to really discipline myself with this. And I'm in no way saying, I've mastered this, this doesn't happen, I don't ever deal with this kind of stuff anymore. But I'm telling you, it's something that I mastered. I'm not a very disciplined person, I don't think, but I use this philosophy of bouncing my eyes for months and months and months, and it's something since 2002 that I still do today, and it's something that's almost like second nature to me. And I, I say that humbly, believe me, I say that humbly, but it's something that I really disciplined myself to do because I did not want myself to go there. That's what we have to do when it comes to judgment, is that we, when we feel like we want to get our boomerang out and throw it because we've been wronged by family, we got to quit doing that. And you can discipline yourself to think differently, and it'll work, it'll work for you. Let's look at first, uh, excuse, excuse me, Philippians chapter 4. Look at this. Rejoice in the Lord always again, and I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Listen to this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And check this out, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. That is such great. We, I know that you guys know these verses. But how great is this when it comes to us and us casting judgments or us assuming, us sifting and assessing what our family thinks of us or what we do when we've been wounded by them? 
That when we take everything to the Lord in, in prayer, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. How many of you guys have been in situations before where the Lord has given you peace about something? I call it stupid peace. You have This may seem like the world is crashing around you, but you have peace, and you're like, yeah, I feel kind of stupid. I'm not even worried about this. That's what I call stupid peace. But it's God's peace. But it's so, it's, it's so un, uh, it's, it doesn't feel natural to our human heart and to our mind to feel that much peace. But when God gives it to us, our mind can hardly attain it. Thank you, Carrie. I'm taking you everywhere on the road with me from now on. <laughs> Look at the rest of this in verse 8. Check this out. This, and it gets even better. Check this out. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is, is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Man, this is a great verse because when you feel like getting this out, I'm going to think about what's praiseworthy. I'm going to think about what's just. I'm going to think about what is true, which is talking about God's word. I'm going to think about what is commendable. And then we can start to set this down. It takes a self-discipline. And once again, I'm going to tell you this. I am in no way telling you I have mastered this, but I'm still working on it. I'm trying it. I, do, I, tr I try and try and try. I'm striving to get to the place where I stop passing judgments on people. Look at verse 9. It says this, Whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen in, in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Man, we need peace with our family members, especially those that don't know Jesus. You know, one of the things that, um, that um, I, I prayed for my dad to accept Christ for 18 years. And when I first became a Christian, my dad... Um, talked to me about some things and I could not quote what he said to me in church because it would really offend a lot of people what he said. But my dad was raised in a different denomination and they were mean and he was in an orphanage that they ran and it was really, he, he, it was really church, church and Jesus was a sign of pain to him. So I, he, I prayed for him for 18 years. And you know what, I've told a lot of you guys have heard this story before, but my, when my first wife died, my dad was crushed. He was crushed. And a lot of reason why he was crushed is he was crushed for me. But one of the things he said to me about three months after she passed away is I was talking to him on the phone, he and my mom and dad on the phone, and my dad said, I told your mom it's time to quit worrying about you. And I said, well, dad, that's really good. I, I don't really want you guys to sit around and worry about me. He's, and he said, you know what? He said, I told her because no matter what you go through, God always takes care of you. And how cool is that, that somebody that wasn't a believer was recognizing those things in me? It's so important for us to walk these verses out, to think about these things that are honorable. And God will give us peace, and then it brings reconciliation to the people in our family. Go to the next slide. When we judge a family member's heart, thoughts, and motives... It always ends up in pain for us. It always ends up in pain. 
And it's really, really hard to change this discipline in our life. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Let's look at the next verse here. It says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and get this, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You guys, this is not for us to use. And God doesn't use it either. But God's Word is the thing that judges attitudes and hearts. And when we rely upon His Word, and we take a lot of these verses that I'm talking to you about this morning, when we plant those things into our heart, look at what it says in Psalms. It says that we can be like a tree planted by the river. How peaceful is that? But it says to get that, we need to meditate on His Word. What does the word meditate mean? A lot of times that when we think about meditation, we think about Eastern religions, but meditate just means to ponder. When we take these things in God's Word and we ponder on them, it brings us more knowledge of who He is and it brings us more peace and it comforts us and it also helps us to be that light that we really want to be with our family. Family problems can be so messy. And like I said earlier, when we have, when we, we really see the, our family as, uh, as really, they should be unconditional love. And some, of, some people here with your family, you pr- maybe never got anything close to that with your family or with your parents. And that's sad to me. But we can still be those ministers of reconciliation by changing our thoughts and our attitudes and really guarding our hearts about what we're planting in here. Those family relationships can be really, really messy. When uh, Susan and I met, we met, um, it was nine years ago in in May, we met, and we met on Match.com. Now, Susan and I both are widowed, and and my friends would say, when do you think you're going to date or whatever? And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like, like, I feel like I'm in, in the shower with my socks on. Life is just so uncomfortable. I can't imagine dating. So then my kids are like, dad, come on, you've got to find somebody. This is three years after my wife passed away, three years later, she got to find, you got to find somebody. I'm like, I don't, well, what am I going to do? Go to a bar and go, Hey, do you love Jesus? I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And they're like, dad, you should just go online. I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute. So anyway, so they said, come on, we'll help you set up a profile. So they set up a profile for me on match.com, which is where I met Susan. And I was, uh, I was lucky number seven for her. And I was the seventh date. I know I was lucky number seven and we were, but we were both in the place where we're going, I'm trying this one last time. Am I right? One last time I'm trying this. And if it doesn't work, let me tell you something. I was on match.com and I told my kids, I said, I go, I want you to look at what just happened to me yesterday there at my house. And they said, what? And I said, match.com. Look, I said, I had a guy hit on me on match.com. <laughs> like this is not working. And they said, well, dad, at least he's hot. I'm like, no. No, we're not going going there. But we met on Match.com. Anyway, so, but um, Susan was my fourth date that I, uh, person I met on Match.com. And uh, we did the thing that you're never supposed to do when you meet people. We spent four hours talking about religion and politics and our families. And it was awesome. And um, anyway, but um, I, uh, the second and third women that I went out with, had horrible marriages and they got divorced. And these women, it was so sad. They were believers. And they were, it was so sad to me that they were so angry and bitter 
about their ex-husbands. Not to mention, you're on your first date with a guy you met on Magic.com and you're ripping on your ex-husband. I'm like, I, they, my kids said, how did it go? And I'm like, they need a savior in, it's not me. But it's hard when we deal with things, when we give our hearts away and we think that we, we expect unconditional love and it doesn't work out and it be, can become really painful. Look at the verse in 2 Corinthians, and we'll finish up here in a minute. Gosh, I'm going to finish so early. You guys need to all take me to lunch. Um, but um, anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, Therefore, if, any, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Listen, you are new creations if you've accepted Jesus. And you don't have to live the life of pain if you don't want to. Now, am I saying we never get pain? Only, only, only if. Because we're constantly dealing with, we're constantly dealing with people disappointing us, saying things to us, and, um, and it's tough. But we're a new creation. Then in verse 18, it says this. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You guys, when we keep throwing this, Boom, throwing it, boom, wound, I hate them, boom, they hurt me, boom, they never liked me as much as they liked the other one, boom. We can never really be that person of that minister of reconciliation because we've got so much hurt inside. And you know what? God wants us to get rid of that. Because you know what? It's really holding us back and it's holding us down. And when I'm when I'm saying to you today about casting judgments and not judging your family and everything, please don't take that. I'm taking that saying that you're in deep sin and you're in trouble. This is a, this is, you know, we've got, there's universal laws like gravity. And then we've got spiritual laws like sowing and reaping. And I'm encouraging you in sowing and reaping that if you guard your heart and you guard your mind, you can get rid of some pain. And the pain that you feel and the pain that you have with family can start to dissipate. And then you become more of his minister. Look what it says here again. I'm going to read verse 18 again. All of this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ. God has reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You guys, we're called to be this. Yes, family is tough. Yes, it is hard for us to take everything, step out of our humanness and to start stop those human reactions. But God's calling us to do something better and he's calling us to something higher. He's calling us to that because we get more peace and we have a brighter light to people that we need to be that brighter light to. It says this in verse verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God's calling us to to step it up. I think that when when we let me say this. When I'm in church, I love it for somebody to challenge me. 
I love for somebody, the pastor, whoever's speaking, if I go to a conference, I love for them to challenge me and I love for them to, I love to walk away with three or four things that I can do to better myself and to make, help me to become closer with Jesus. How many of you guys like that kind of stuff? I do. I want, I don't, I don't want to come in and just be coddled. I want you to challenge me and I want you to give me some truth and I want you to show me how I can go deeper and I can make a bigger impact on this world. That's what I want to do. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better grand, uh, grand, grandfather. I want to be a better employee and I want to be a better ambassador for him. And so this morning, let me walk you through a couple points. If you want to write some stuff down, a lot of times when I'm at, at conferences or in church now, I just take pictures of the screen. So let me do this. How do we heal from family relationships and hurts? We start with to bounce. Bounce. You train your mind when something's hurtful or something you need to change. And some of this bouncing stuff with the lustful eye, some of this is for some of you folks in here today. But you learn to bounce. You, you make things just ricochet right out of your mind. And it takes time. It takes discipline. But it really works. So bounce your negative thoughts. Discipline your mind to force negative thoughts of judgment and ricochet them out of your mind. Point number two. Find resolve with non-threatening, non-critical questions. If you've got some things to resolve with some family, I'm telling you, when I had to get some things resolved with my parents, it was some of the toughest stuff I've ever had to do. But when I sat down with them, I asked him questions. Why did you react this way? Can you tell me what you're thinking when I told you this? How did it make you feel when blah, blah, blah happened? When we decided we were going to homeschool our kids, my parents thought we were from another planet. And I had to sit back and just kind of let them see the fruit of what my kids were doing. But we need to just ask non-threatening, non-critical questions, and God will bring some... You know when we do that? Everybody can take a deep breath and everybody's defenses go down. Because I love another thing, and I've heard that Gandhi said this. I've heard this a quote from many different people. I still know who said it. But I love this quote. Something else I, I strive to do, but I don't always do, and that is seek to understand instead of seeking to be understood. When we're with our family members, if we can seek to understand where they're at, they're less defensive. They'll open up about some things. Yeah, when you said this, this is what I was thinking. Did I misunderstand? And you can really be that minister of reconciliation. Point number three, focus on the best outcome. Focus on the best outcome. When you're going into things or you have this and you're ready to throw that boomerang, nope, focus on the word of God and focus on having peace and focus on having some good resolve. Last one, strive to be Christ's ambassador. That's really what we're called to do. And like I said, when we stop throwing this, we get less pain. We get more healed. And that's when we really become his, his ambassador. When we sow those really awesome seeds that he's called us to sow. Let me read one more verse to you and, and we'll finish up. Matthew chapter 5, it says this, this is Jesus. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn and they shall be comforted. Man, that alone is so good because there's, there's some of us here this morning, we are mourning. 
We're mourning with our kids. We're mourning with family. We're mourning with maybe a divorce. We're mourning from people dying. But we will, blessed are those who mourn because we will be comforted. Blessed, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Think about that. The meek are going to take over. That's because of who's in us and who's leading us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Remember we talked about this before. Righteousness is a fancy Christian word that just means right standing with God. When we recognize we have right standing with us, with, with him, when we hunger and thirst after that and reminding ourselves of that, instead of condemning ourselves, we will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Oh, man. Talk about wanting to throw the boomerang. When we throw the boomerang and it's full of mercy, boom, back, mercy. And you know what? It's like I said, when anything you plant, anything you sow in the kingdom of God, you get that back. And even the Bible even tells us sometimes we get it back 160 and 30 fold. We're sowing mercy is so powerful. We all, do, we all need it, don't we? And look at this. And then lastly, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. You guys were called to be his ambassadors. He wants to help us get rid of the junk in our lives. I used to tell teenagers this all the time. Do you know the more that you get junk out of your life, the more you can focus on somebody else? The more that you get the junk out of your life, the more you can, you don't have to pray for yourself all the time, but now you can pray for other people. But God, his, his plan is for us to, we know that we're redeemed. We know that he forgives us. But his plan is to make, bring healing and to make us whole because when we are, we get to do greater things for the kingdom. Amen? He uses wounded folks, don't get me wrong. But it's more about him and less about us. And But we, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called the sons of God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your goodness today. We thank you for your mercy that endures forever. And we thank you for your word that is our comforter, your word that is our guide, and your word that brings healing to us. Everybody, if you could look up here at me this morning, I have something I want you to take home if you want. I brought everybody here a tennis ball because it's time to bounce. It's time to take the stuff in our life and let those things bounce. Thank you, Josh. I want you to take the, I want you to take one of these if you want one. I want you to take one. It's got a J on there about judgment. And I want you to think about this. And you may have to take it home and just throw it against the wall a few times. So this morning, would you guys would just stand up with me? This morning, if you're ready to really make a change in this, in your life, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come up here and get a tennis ball. First ones are the bravest. Come up and get one of these and say, I'm making a change. There's a whole slew of them, so. Don't go home and let your golden retriever have it now. <laughs> There's some right here too if you want to get some out of that other bucket there. This is awesome. 
This is awesome. God is so good. And His truth is so good. And His truth brings us freedom. Amen? Amen? His truth brings us freedom. Let me take a minute. Let me pray for you again. Father God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to let this word this morning go deep into our heart. Help us that when we do tend to pass judgments or we do think we're not thinking the best and we get offended, Lord, help us to quickly let those things bounce out of our heart and out of our mind. I pray that you would help us to guard our hearts, Lord, against our own humanity and our own flesh, wanting to bring about our own righteousness and to try to make things right ourselves. I pray for the people that are here that they are really in the midst of some hurts with some family. Some folks on Wednesday night, one person in particular, talked about some healing that was coming with their daughter. And I'm, I'm still praying for you about that. I know you're here this morning and you, you know I'm talking about you, but I'm praying for you about that. But there's people here that you're hurting. And I pray that this morning that this message will start to bring some healing. The healing in you and healing with your family. And again, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've called us to be ministers of reconciliation. Just where you're standing, I'm just going to take a couple more minutes. We're, we've got plenty of time today. Just start ask God about this situation that you need to deal with. Or maybe there's more. There are some parents here this morning, and you've what you've been doing is you've really been just been judging yourself. And boy, God wants to bring healing to you. God wants to bring some healing to you. If there's anything in your life that's happened with family you feel like you need to confess, go ahead and do that now. Again, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. That's our comforter. That's our guide. The one that walks alongside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.